Welcome to the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and I'm still maintaining even in this world of the coronavirus COVID-19. The crew is not with me right now. They are maintaining, of course, socially distancing and keeping inside and keeping safe despite this pandemic, but we're going to keep things rolling on. Shout out to the crew, everybody out there, my boys, D.E.T., Cousin Damo, and of course, my boy, J.O., who's been holding it down with me for the early part of 2020. Quite a year it's been so far. But we're going to keep it going as we're going to continue to chop it up over the classics. Want to give a shout out, of course, to all my followers on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all the social media channels out there, all my listeners in the United States and worldwide. Thank you all for continuing to check in on us. We appreciate all the love and support that you continue to give us. Took a little bit of time off, but we're here to regroup now and get right back to the classics. And we have a good one today. As always, we take you back in time. Our motto here at the Vault Classic Music Reviews is hashtag open the vault, hashtag MBTC for nothing but the classics. And today we have a good one. We go back in time to 30 years ago and a group straight from the borough of Queens in New York City and Linden Boulevard. I'm talking about none other than A Tribe Called Quest. And today we are reviewing their debut album on Jive Records, People's Instinctive Travels in the Paths of Rhythms. Released on April 10th, 1990, this was their debut album for The Tribe Called Quest. After being a part of the Native Tongues Collective, collaborating on several projects in 1988 through 89, finally released their debut project. The Native Tongues, of course, the collective made up of Tribe, Jungle Brothers, De La Soul, Moni Love, Queen Latifah, Black Sheep, and Chi Ali, and they were very active in the late 80s into the early 90s. As you well know, in 1989, the Jungle Brothers released Straight Out of the Jungle, De La Soul releasing their landmark album, Three Feet High and Rising. You also had a debut album from Queen Latifah, all hail the queen and right about now in the 1990s when the native tongue started to ramp up their activity as we moved into a new decade but looking at people instinctive travels in the paths of rhythm of course released on april 10th 1990 recorded between 1989 and 1990 at calipay studios and battery studios both in new york city it's a runtime of 64 minutes and 15 seconds one of the longer-running albums in Tribe's catalog recorded on Jive Records and RCA Records. A little background for those of you who do not have history on Tribe. If you're listening to here, obviously, you're either a hip-hop head or a music fan. Formed in Queens, New York in 1985, they started their friendship by collaborating with the Jungle Brothers. As a matter of fact, the first collaboration for a Tribe member was on the Jungle Brothers Straight Out of the Jungle and then also had a very strong relationship with De La Soul, who released their debut album, Three Feet and Rising, the prior year in 1989. 
So how Tribe began was Q-Tip created, uh, started the group and met Fife Dog actually while they were in church, the late Fife Dog. And they also linked up with Ali Shaheed Muhammad. And the fourth member of the group who was present on this album is the member that some people tend to forget about. And if you think about Tribe Called Quest, it's not thought about that often. Is of course, uh, Jairobi, Jairobi White, who was the fourth member of a Tribe Called Quest. Now, he was a member of Tribe on this album, but left after this album right before the recording of The Low End Theory to start his career in the culinary arts. Famously, he rejoined Tribe after Fife Dog's death or during the time when they were recording their last album, which came out in 2016. We got it from here. Thank you for your service to help push the group's last project out. And since then, of course, over a period of eight years, Tribe pushed out four, five very good albums and a few classics. And this is the first one in that discography. So getting into People Instinctive Travels in the Patch of Rhythms, the first offering of Tribe Called Quest. And just to give you a little perspective of this album, I was April 10th, 1990. I was eight years old when this album came out. (laughs) Eight years old. I believe going into or finishing up the second grade at that time or the third grade at that time. And the one thing that I really remind remember at that time was I wasn't a hip hop head, obviously, but the one advantage that I have is I grew up in a household with three older sisters and I had two sisters that were of college age. And I mentioned this in previous episodes that I've recorded and they were obviously into music at this time. So my very first exposure to this album came during that time and I remember the most recognizable tracks that you hear on this album which are the ones that most people know Benita Applebaum of course can I kick it I left my wallet in El Segundo those were the ones that I would hear frequently being played from the radio when we were just hanging around with family or friends when my sisters had the boom box out or in the car when we were going places and I remember that very, very vaguely. Um, I had more of an exposure to the later Tribe albums, specifically Low End Theory, Midnight Marauders, and Beats, Rhymes, and Life later on as I got older and more into hip-hop. But I always remember just kind of hearing this, and even as a kid, it's eight years old, remarking how differently this sounded from everything else that I would kind of hear on the radio. And if you've been a hip-hop fan for as long as I've been a hip-hop fan, and you studied how hip-hop moved through the late 80s into the 90s, you could see that there were many differing styles that were starting to take place around that point in time. Now, those who are hardcore hip-hop heads will know that this was recorded during what we refer to as, as I like to personally say, the first golden age of hip-hop, which is considered to be between the time period loosely between 1986 to 1992 and you talk to other people they'll tell you it was between 1986 and 1990 some will say 1987 to 1991 it's generally within that time frame so within that time frame you had varying different styles everything from new york you were starting to see an emergence from the west coast at that particular time nwa straight out of compton came out you saw ruthless as a record label start to emerge you saw the rise sort of like of gangster rap pioneered by the West Coast start to take a, take a hold. You also saw groups like in Houston, like Ghetto Boys and Scarface start to emerge at this time. And sort of in this time period, you saw 
an emergence of this collective, like the native tongues. And you saw the different, they had a very different style, very Afrocentric, uh, very self-conscious. It was a different style, very, very laid back, uh, very uh, music driven, very laid back rhythms as far as when it comes influences from jazz and also some blues. And you saw acts like Queen Latifah and the Tribe Called Quest and De La Soul and the Jungle Brothers really start to get what they call this bohemian vibe that you had in hip hop. So they differed from a lot of the large commercial acts where their themes went into a lot of different things that were serious issues of the day and weaving in some typical themes of hip hop like storytelling and dating and love. And what you saw a lot of that was the same thing you saw in this debut album from a tribe called quest. So going into it, that's pretty much what I thought of it at that age, the older that I got and the more that I dug into tribes discography. And those of you who know me know that, they're one of my favorite groups in hip hop, probably within my top three of groups in hip hop all time. I loved everything that they did, but I got into this album a little bit more. So I would say probably within the mid nineties to late nineties. And definitely as I got into adulthood, I started to dig a little bit more into this album. Now this is not my favorite tribe album as a full disclaimer, but as I got older, I started to appreciate things that were being done in this album and I could see where the foundation started with the tribe called quest and listening to it. Now you can definitely see the legacy and influence that tribe started as I would say the forefront members of the native tongues collective and some of the later musicians that came along as well. And we'll talk about that a little bit later as we get into the podcast. So getting into the track listing of people's instinctive travels and their patches of rhythm 14 tracks, as I mentioned before, runtime of 64 minutes and 15 seconds. And right when you start the album, you can definitely tell this is a little bit different of things than what you're used to hearing. So 14 tracks, and there was actually a 25th anniversary bonus release of this album that was done five years ago, where there were several remixes, but three that were placed on this album. Footprints, which was a CeeLo Green remix, which was featuring CeeLo. Pharrell, who we'll talk later about what this influence of this album did for his career with the remix to Benita Applebaum and then a J. Cole remix to Can I Kick It? Just to get into the track listing, and I'll get to you as far as what my highlights were on this album. Very, very diverse album and listening into it. I listened to it a few times leading up to this recording of this episode this year, knowing that we were coming up on the 30th anniversary. And the one thing that I can say about this track listing is that um, it's very expansive. Uh, they talk about a lot of different themes here. Um, and what you also notice as well is that this is a very Q-tip centric album. Now there were four members of a tribe called quest at this time. Uh, Ali Shahi Muhammad, as many of you know, was the group's DJ and also assisted in the production. Q-tip had a very heavy hand in production. Jairobi does not have much of a role here other than some speaking parts and Fife Dog at this time was contributing, but not really contributing in what we knew Fife Dog could be. And he would actually contribute a lot more on the group's next album, which was The Lower End Theory. But just to talk about my highlights, things that I love, I love, of course, the intro, the first track, Push It Along. Very long track, um, gets into it, and you hear, you know, Q Tip and Fife doing their thing. And then you also hear, Jairobi with the uh, sort of like the outro to introduce the group to everyone because this is really the first thing that we're hearing about the Tribe Call Quest as a group, all four members. Love Lucka Lucian because I love the horn sample in there and the and the tracks and 
Love Q-Tip's word plays. Uh, Footprints is another favorite of mine's. I left my wallet in El Segundo. Two things that I really remember about this. The first thing is that the sort of method of the track, how it was sort of broken up, this story of this tale about Q-Tip and Ali Shaheen Muhammad going down to El Segundo, going to a restaurant, sort of asking for directions to where they were going. Then you had Q-Tip who lost his concentration and saw a fine waitress who was working in the restaurant and left his wallet in the restaurant and had to go back, of course, to go get it. And <laughs> I do remember, for those of you who remember that, that video, that was a very memorable video as well. Benita Applebaum, of course, what can I say about it? <laughs> it's a track that if you speak to a lot of hip-hop heads and also a lot of hip-hop artists, they mention Medina Applebaum as one of their favorite tracks, and it's a track that has endured over these last 30 years. It's also a track that has spawned many different samples and other songs, specifically that I could talk about just with the beat itself has been sampled in, uh, parts of it have been sampled in the Fugees' Killing Me Softly, the remake that was done on the score. You also you know, hear a lot of different elements of how this was a very laid, laid-back track. You hear Q-Tip sort of, courting this young lady and trying to get her to come along with him. And you'll hear a lot of that influence in a lot of later records that have a similar theme in it, but great track. One of the best laid back tracks that you can, you can think about of during that particular time that is sort of endured throughout hip hop. And of course, can I kick it? <laughs> How many people have used that hook so many different times on tracks? And this has been a, frequent phrase that has been used between for live performances for a lot of different hip hop acts. But immediately the thing that comes to mind with me is 22 twos on Jay-Z's reasonable doubt. He used this during the time when he was spitting this freestyle supposedly in this live club is that cannot kick it phrase. Another really, really uh, chill track. And as I said, Fife dog does not have a lot of appearances here, but this is a track to me where I felt like him and Q-Tiff both shined very bass-driven track, really, really laid-back flow, and that is something that has endured over these last 30 years or so, years ago. Youthful Expression is another favorite of mine's uh, rhythm devoted to the art of moving butts. Uh, Ham and Eggs is a really interesting track. That's another Fife Dog-assisted track there as well. And the last three tracks, really, I really love. Ham and Eggs, Go Ahead in the Rain, and Description of a Fool. Really, to me, once you get to track four and you move on, that's really, to me, when the album actually picks up. And you really start to go in and see how this album starts to roll. And the sequencing of it was really, really intricately done, how each track led into the other. And you could see, though, that's when the hits of these albums, the ones that you hear even 30 years later, have sort of endured and that's where they appear in the album also the deep album cuts in here though are very impressive and they're not highlight tribe tracks like the ones where you could sit there and put of the best of tribe tracks a lot of these deep album cuts probably won't get as much recognition but they're good tracks I mean they're really really good tracks and the sampling on here is just amazing on some of the things that they've done I don't really have any lowlights here on this album um I don't have any lowlights as far as the tracks themselves, because as you go through playing this album from beginning to end, there's not really any lowlights to me. I do have an overall lowlight, but I'll get to that a little bit later in regards to what I thought could have been done more here. But really, really great track listing, good sequencing and great sampling. Just to give you an idea 
uh, and this was a sample heavy record as many records were in that time in hip hop. But to give you an idea of the samples that appeared just a few on a few of these tracks, Benita Applebaum sampled Daylight by Ramp, Memory Band by Rotary Connection and Feel Yourself by Little Feet. Can I Kick It sampled Walk on the Wild Side by Lou Reed, Spinning Wheel by Lonnie Smith and Sun Shower by Dr. Buzzard, original Savannah Band. By the way, Lonnie Smith, one of the great jazz instrumentalists uh, Ever. And if you can listen to hip hop throughout history, specifically in the 90s, there were a lot of producers that took from Lonnie Smith's work. And you could hear some of the things, first of all, famously, the most famous Lonnie Smith record that was probably sampled was A Garden of Peace, which we now know was taken by Ski Beats and making Dead Presidents Part 1 and 2 for Reasonable Doubt with Jay-Z, which was his debut album. Luck of Lucien, which took a small part of the French national anthem, in the beginning was sampled by 40 Days by Billy Brooks and All You Need Is Love by The Beatles. Footprints, Think Twice by Donald Byrd, Walk Tall by the Cannonball Adderley Quintet featuring Jesse Jackson and Sir Duke by Stevie Wonder. I Left My Wallet in El Segundo, sampled Funky by the Chamber Brothers and Sueno by the Young Rascals. Push It Along, sampled Lawrence Dance by Grover Washington Jr. A lot of Grover has been sampled in some hip-hop records here and there as well. Thank you for late to me, me be mice elf again by junior menace and Jagger the dagger by Eugene McDaniels. So very simple, heavy record. You can hear the influence throughout this album and you can hear all the different things that were taken, everything from soul to jazz, to blues, to rock music with the Beatles, very distinctive bass tones very distinctive sampling. The one thing that I love what Q-Tip and Ali Shahi Muhammad do, do on all track uh, tribe records are the break beats and also the sampling of very distinctive instruments such as strings or horns. And you hear that two times throughout this album as well. Other samples include youthful expression sampled by and sampled inner city blues by Ruben Wilson and ham and eggs sampled. We've got to find a way back to love by Frida Payne Nappy Duck Out by Funkadelic. Those of you who know Funkadelic know that one. And this also sampled Jagger the Dagger by Eugene McDaniels as well. So really great sampling and good layer, that layering there in the production by a Tribe Called Quest. And this really sort of set the mode and the tone for what they would do later on in their catalog. Now to go over to notable quotables. There's a lot of great quotables in here. You're really starting to get in this album. You start to hear Q-Tip style and you start to expound on it. And you also hear a little bit of Fife, but most of it, what you hear there, you're going to get the voice is you're going to hear Q-Tip's voice. But my quotables come from, of course, the track, Can I Kick It?, which is this is probably my favorite track from this album. And it's because I love every time you hear that track when it comes on is that driving bass line. As soon as it comes on, it's unmistakable. You know that it's Can I Kick It? So my notable quotables come from both Tip and also from Fight. And those first famous bars on Can I Kick It from Q-Tip is Can I Kick It to all the people who can quest like a tribe does. Before this, do you really know what live was? Comprehend to the track for a wise cuz. Getting measures on the tip of the vibers. Rock and roll to the beat of the funk fuzz. Wipe your feet really good on the rhythm rug. If you feel the urge to freak, do the jitterbug. Come and spread your arms if you really need a hug. So it's just... They really just took a way to be able to just ride that beat. And that's what I loved. The One of the great things I love about Q-Tip is that he really knows how to ride a beat. And with these really smooth, laid-back beats, he does it as well as anybody has done it in the industry. 
And then the second verse of Fife Dog, really where he gets a chance to shine here too, is can I kick it to my tribe that flows in layers. Right now, Fife is a poem sayer. At times, I'm a studio conveyor. Mr. Dinkins, will you please be my mayor? You'll be doing us a really big favor. Boy, this track really has a lot of flavor. When it comes to rhythms, quest is your savior. Follow us for the funky behavior. Make a note on the rhymes that we gave you. Feel free, drop your prance, check your hair. Do you like the garments that we wear? I instruct you to be the obeyer. I mean, it's just <laughs> the one of this is a preview of what Fife Dog could give us in their discography, man. It really is. And I just love this track. I love Can I Kick It and love that bass line and love the chorus. The hook is something that is endured throughout hip hop through all this time. And it's something that even now when you hear it, it's just a really, really cool and smooth track. That's the thing that I love about this album. For me, what I like to talk about is that this is a really cool and, and laid back album. This is sort of like the music when I was in college at Morgan State University that I would want to sit down and study to. <laughs> Everybody knows when you're sitting down and studying, especially when you're either reading a book and taking some notes or sitting down and working on a paper, really trying to digest the work. You sort of need sometimes a little bit of a soundtrack. Now, some people can study. And they don't need a soundtrack behind them. Some folks like to study in complete isolation with no music and just complete silence. And I was not one of those persons. <laughs> I wasn't. I needed to have some music with me when I was studying. And to me, this is probably within my top 10 of albums that I would sit and study to. I did study to a lot of jazz. So I did listen to a lot of Love Supreme by John Coltrane, a lot of Some Kind of Blue by Miles Davis. I did listen to a lot of Grover Washington records. I did listen to even some contemporary jazz by Joshua Redman and also by Joe Sample and a lot of different other contemporary jazz artists, um, Wynton Marcellus. But when it came to hip hop records, this was right up there with hip hop records that I wanted to study to. Illadelph Half-Life was another one that I liked to study to as well because it was really laid back for me. Mama's Gun by Erica's Badu was another one of those study records. And this one is a study record as well. It was really laid back, really calming, really soothing, and you could really get going and sort of get into your thought process, which is one of the things that I love about Tribe is that their music inspires a thought process. Now to sort of talk about as far as the influence of this record. Now this was highly acclaimed by so many different people. So many different publications gave this a great rating. This was one of the first albums that the source gave a, on the first time around, gave a five mic rating to. Uh, it was rated at four stars by Spin, uh, The Village Voice, which was sometimes very critical of hip hop records, gave this a B plus. I thought it could have gotten a lot more. Even a, a publication like Entertainment Weekly gave it an A minus. Pitchfork gave it a 10 out of 10. So the media received this very, very well. But thinking about it now, as far as what legacy it led on the artists that came afterwards, you could hear so many different hip hop acts that will speak about this album in glowing terms. And those folks, of course, artists like Common, like D'Angelo, Diggable Planets, Erica Badu, the Fugees, of course, Jay Dilla, Kendrick Lamar, Most Def, Kanye West, Outkast, Pharrell himself has said, he listened to Benita Applebaum every single day. And he said, I had never heard anything like that in my life. That's where I changed. On another occasion, he also said that 
people that think the travels caused a turning point in his life. And that's when he said he started to look at music like it was art. And everyone knows Pharrell's body of work. And those of you who have seen the Tribe Called Quest documentary that was done by Michael Rappaport called Beats, Rhymes, and Life, uh, Pharrell was very prominent on that as well. He was a very big Tribe fan. And if they could take their music and it could be a legacy on someone such as Pharrell, who has had a huge influence on hip-hop within the last 25 years, 25-plus years, actually, because he's been out here doing it a long time. This kind of goes and shows you the type of influence that this record had when it first came out. So many people also talked about, there were members in the media that said, in particular, this was an album that uh, sort of changed the game in regards to the direction that hip-hop was going in the early 90s. Famously enough, hip-hop journalist Harry Allen said that the album was a turning point in hip-hop that you didn't have to be tough and where this was sort of the calling card of a lot of native tongue groups that their music wasn't necessarily made to be gangster whether it was hardcore street in new york or gangster la or west coast it was really just all about the celebration of life it was really all about as they stated a jazzy celebration as they say of bohemia psychedelia and vagabondia really laid back and most it has been described by the la times as mostly hip-hop featuring gently humorous casual conversational raps and as you listen to q-tip and even on fife dog on this on this track you really do feel like this it does feel like a conversation like q-tip's having a conversation with someone like fife and his limited interaction here is having a conversation with someone again while this album to me may not be their best I do feel similarly to like the way, and we did this in our last episode, the bonus episode of Tale of the Tape between Outkast and the Tribe Called Quest. Similar to Outkast's debut album, Southern Playalistics Cadillac Music, this album also had a large amount of influence regarding the game. And that to me, I think is invaluable. Now, as far as the verdict is concerned, whether it's a certified classic, borderline classic or just a classic in its time. And I have to say without a shadow of a doubt to me, this is a certified classic. And I say it's a certified classic. And this is from coming from a tribe fan. This is not my favorite album. As far as favorite albums are concerned, this might be number three or number four on my list, but the legacy that it's led in regards to so many different things that it's done has to me has cemented it being a certified classic because 30 years later, you could look at the influences and the elements that were within this album. And what you get is something that was imprinted on a number of different artists that came out and tried to either duplicate or even make uh, some sort of semblance or offshoot of what tribe did. And when you talk about some of the artists that it influenced, you can see it's influence that has traveled years and years beyond this album being here. And it's not just tribes work, but the work of greats like Pharrell, because of the work of groups like De La Soul and Diggable Planets and also Fuji's and also the influence that it did on a guy like Jay Dilla. And Dilla famously became uh, sort of a part and an affiliate of a tribe called Quest by being a part of the UMA, which was the production trio of Jay Dilla, Ali Shaheed Muhammad, and Q-Tip, which famously did most of the production on Beats, Rhymes, and Life, Tribe's fourth album. Really what I want to just drive the point home is how much of a turning point it was, not just for tribe, but for the whole native tongues where they sort of took a lane for themselves. They created that lane and they drove that lane home and not just that, but it's a really, really chill album to listen to. 
just like now as I'm recording this on a Sunday afternoon, this is a Sunday afternoon type album. <laughs> and for those of you who know, now for those of you who didn't grow up in overly religious households, it, some of y'all listened to gospel and had to listen to things such as, uh, you know, a lot of old school gospel like Mahalia Jackson. And some people listen to Cecil Shaw singers. Shout out to the bi biopic on TV right now, the Clark sisters. <laughs> so uh, you grew up listening to gospel, but if not, this is sort of a what I would describe as a Sunday afternoon type of hip hop album. Very chill, very laid back, very smooth. And this really kind of started the kickstart of Tribe into the hip hop industry and really cemented their place in the game. And by the time they came out, the, their next two albums, they were right near the top of the industry as they should have been. Shout out to a Tribe Called Quest. Shout out to this album, People's Instinctive Travels and the Pats of Rhythms released in 1990, 30 years ago on Jive Records. Please make sure you go check it out. If you consider yourself a Tribe Called Quest fan and have not heard this album, which I'm surprised that a lot of Tribe fans, the people who say that they're Tribe fans, have not dug into this album in depth. Please do so and check it out and keep it on your playlist for the chill times, the times you need to concentrate, times you just want to vibe out, man. This is a really good vibe of an album when you sit down and dissect it. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you check us out on our host, Podbean, vaultcmr.podbean.com. You can also check us out on all of our social media pages at Vault CMR Podcast on IG, at Vault Classic on Twitter, and on Facebook and YouTube. You can get us by searching The Vault Classic Music Reviews Podcast. You can get all our information there, including our link tree. The link tree has all of our social media sites and also has all of the streaming sources where you can find the Vault Classic Music Reviews and listen to at your leisure. Please follow us on all of our social media page and interact with us. We love to interact with our followers and it's sort of what gets us through the day and we love to hear the feedback and the ideas that you guys have. We do it all for you. We appreciate all the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. As we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate, and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at IVECRE8.